thank you so much for that, uh, that great introduction. It is good to be with you uh, today, and I'm really looking forward to, to just sharing with you from my heart. At the end, I'll talk about what's on the table and how to look at the finding freedom uh, things that I do. Um, I'm Chief, you're at the beach now, so uh, enjoy yourself, man. Uh, I, I, I miss being with you. When we go to the beach, we hang out together, which is really kind of cool. What we're doing today, though, uh, we are still in the book called The Measure of a Man by Getz. Awesome book. If you haven't read this, you need to read it. But I'm talking about chapter 12, which is entitled How to Avoid Destructive Behavior. And I think we will agree <laughs> there's a lot of violence in our world. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, we, we look around. It's changed so much over the years that it just seems to keep getting much, much worse. And Getz, in his book, says this. He says, make no mistake about it. He says, when sin entered the world, humanity inherited an incredible capacity toward violence. And so I believe this is why the Apostle Paul addresses this issue when he talks about Christian maturity. As Christians, we are not to be that way. As Christians, we have a different lifestyle. But as Getz talks about in his book, it seems that anger is out of control. And he goes on to explain the word anger. Actually, there's a Greek word Paul uses. Uh, he mentions it in the book called pleiktis. It refers to a man as a bruiser. You ever remember that old expression, a bruiser? One who's ready with a blow, pugnacious, contentious, quarrelsome person. And we see this all the time. I know one thing I love to do every morning, I, I just retired in July, and so every morning I get up before dawn, and I ride my bike on the West Orange Trail. And it's amazing how people don't like people who ride bicycles. And I've just seen so much anger toward me just trying to ride my bike on a trail. And so it, it's amazing how we have to deal with that. I mean, if I want to fight, I could fight. I mean, I just have to keep going because of the things that have been said to me. Uh, but anyway, a, a mature man of God is not to be a striker or one who physically hurts another, but uh, actually it's anger out of control is what we're seeing. So we're going to talk about that today. In fact, I've got a lot of scriptures. I believe very much in the Word of God and how to live by the Word of God. But 1 Timothy 3.3, 3, uh, it's talking about Christian leadership. And I want to apply this to you today. He says this, we are not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, and not a lover of money. And he goes on and talk about Christian leadership, about um, leaders in the church, especially Titus 1.7, he goes on, he says, we're not to be overbearing. We're not to be quick-tempered. We're not to be given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. You'll notice in, in that scripture, those two scriptures, he talked about drunkenness twice. Now, I have nothing against alcohol, but I'll be honest with you. When you mix alcohol with a temper, <laughs> I see some police officers in here. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So many calls, even as a chaplain, I've been on where there's been domestic violence, it seems that alcohol is involved. But, but so many men and women today are full of anger. Now, anger is different than most emotions we deal with. Anger, I'm going to talk to you now from a kind of a psychological point of view. Anger really demands a response. When you think about it, 
Anger is neither good nor bad. It's how we determine the anger and how we deal with the anger that determines our character. Now, you've heard the expression fight, flight. Well, there's also freeze. When people get angry, things happen to us physically and also psychologically. Uh, when you get angry, what happens is your heart beats faster. Um, your muscles get tense. You also have this increased amount of adrenaline, which gives the body this, this quick burst of energy. Well, that energy has to be directed somewhere. Now, like on my bicycle, I could fight the person that made me angry, uh, or I could escape, so I, I, I left. But we can simply also freeze and not do anything out of fear. These are normal human responses to threats. And there's some, and I've been there before, when we get angry, we can actually repress or suppress those emotions. And when we do that, anger does not disappear. It is simply turned inside of us. Now, seriously, unresolved anger has a distressing impact on us. It can affect us, like I said, physically, mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually. Anger is something every person deals with, but honestly, it is an emotion that's misunderstood. According to the Webster's New World Dictionary, anger is defined as a feeling of displeasure resulting from maybe injury, mistreatment, and opposition, and usually showing itself a desire to fight back at the supposed cause of the feeling. Now, in my opinion, that's a pretty good definition of anger, what it is. And there's two main characteristics of anger. One, anger is a normal emotion we feel as humans. And two, anger requires a response. Now, it'd be silly to say we never get angry because all of us get angry now and then. As Christians, we have a biblical mandate, though, on how we treat that anger. James 1.19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow, here it is, to become angry. The Bible's very clear about how to deal with anger. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, love the verse. In your anger, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. This verse is great. It explains that, that anger is really a natural human emotion. He says, in your anger. But there are functional and dysfunctional ways to handle your anger. Now, most of that I've seen in counseling that come in because of anger issues. Most people come to counseling because they got in trouble, to be honest with you. But they allow their anger to build and intensify over time, which results in some type of emotional explosion. So... Mismanaged anger normally leads to some type of sin. So to avoid destructive behavior, we must learn how to manage our anger. So I'm going I'm to give you a three-step process. It's very simple on how to manage your anger. Actually, I have this in my book called Real, Real Forgiveness. But step one, we must allow the anger to be felt, okay? Anger, it's not a sin to get angry. Anger, like I said, is a normal emotion that must be felt. So don't deny it when you get angry. You must be aware when you are getting angry. Anger can arise very quickly in most of us, and we, we tend to respond quickly 
Which leads me to my second step. So number one, feel it. Number two, we must allow time for feelings to pass. This is a great key in controlling your anger. When you begin to feel that anger building up inside, I suggest you do this. Inside your head, count backwards from 10 to 1. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And normally, in that 10 to 12 seconds, you can stop and try um, to do something different. You, you don't yell or, or lash out. If you ever see me on my bicycle, I do a lot of counting, okay, just, just while I'm riding my bike, okay. Now, I'm not talking about suppressing the energy caused by the anger, but to defer it, okay? To defer it until your emotions are overseen through some type of self-regulation. In fact, I'm reminded of Proverbs 25, 28, which says this, like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. So when you wait between anger and action, you can actually diffuse those feelings. And then step three, search for causes of your anger. I'm talking about our feelings sometimes get wounded or hurt. Um, maybe we feel threatened. Those are the few of the big ones. But to discover why you are angry um, is cognitive exercise. It's something you do in your mind, not an emotional one. So you need to think clearly and discover the causes of your anger. Now, most people get angry <laughs> due to two things, pain and fear. Pain and fear come first, and then anger comes second. Now, I want you to remember those three steps, because I'm going to ask you about it again later. you got to feel it. you got to take time to diffuse the anger and then search for causes. Now, let me try to illustrate. Let's say you're over on I-4. Um, or maybe the turnpike, and somebody just, boom, cuts you off in traffic. Well, normally our first response is fear because no one likes to be in an accident. And then very quickly it can turn to anger toward that driver. That's why we call this road rage. So anger is something that needs to be felt, and then while you're driving down the road, do what I said. Start counting backwards in your head, 10 to 1. And normally in that 10 to 12 seconds, unless you're chasing the person, they're far down the road, and you have control of your emotions, okay? And so do that. But I also want you to realize something about anger that's good. Anger can also be what I call a protective emotion. Have you ever been somewhere where somebody just jumps at you and scares you? Your first response is fear, and then it turns to anger right after that. Why did you do that? But anger is really an indicator that someone or something has violated something that's mine. What did Jesus do in the temple? Remember he drove the money changers out of the, out of the temple? And he said this. He said, this is my father's house. Now that's a righteous response to a boundary that was disregarded. You know, if somebody breaks in my house with intent to harm me or my, my family, I'll deal with the fear first and then the anger, but that's going to lead me to protecting, protecting myself and my family. So to avoid destructive behavior, what we're talking about, learn to manage your anger. Now, I don't know a lot of you here, 
If you're one that's here and you were to say honestly inside your heart right now, I'm really struggling with anger. Your friends may not know it because you've hidden it well, but I bet your spouse does or your kids do. If you're struggling with that, I'm not looking down on you. I'm going to encourage you to find a good Christian therapist that can help you with that. I mean, so much of what we do in therapy is helping people discover why they're angry because it's so hidden. So to avoid destructive behavior, learn how to manage your anger. Also, we must allow our new nature in Christ to guide us. I would say that most of us here know Christ as our Savior and Lord. And we need to understand that when we become Christians, the old life is gone, and we have a new life in Christ, which leads us to live a certain way. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. This is a central verse that we, we talk about to avoid destructive behavior, and we don't have to do this alone. You're a Christian. You have a new nature, a new life. Like the Bible says, the old is gone. Now, as long as we live on planet Earth, we have an enemy. You know what I'm talking about. An enemy that will remind you, that will try to get you to live by your old nature, but you have the ability to say no, stop it, and move on. Let me illustrate. Um, <clears throat> my sister, she's 10 years younger than me, lives in Missouri. Uh, she is a, an amputee. She had her leg removed right below the knee several years ago due to having spina bifida as a child and growing up with a lot of complications over the years. She explained to me something. I'll never forget this. She said she has what's called phantom limb syndrome. This is really interesting what the mind can do. She said after her amputation, her leg and foot are gone. Her foot would itch even though the foot was gone. <laughs> you see, the nerves that were connected to the foot are still connected to the brain, so it feels like it itches or even hurts. Years ago, here's how they treated a person that was an amputee. If they hurt, the foot that's gone hurt, they gave the patient Tylenol. <laughs> if it itched, they gave them Benadryl. If it was cold, that was just a bummer. I mean, they just had to deal with it. But they would treat the symptoms of the nervous system, and in some cases, it was actually successful, but only temporarily, because it was a lie to the brain over time. You see, the brain believed the non-existent foot and leg were there. It would get worse and get better and get worse and get better. Now, I want you to get this. This can happen to us like that as Christians. Now, follow me here. If you're a Christian, the old nature is dead, okay? The old nature is, is gone. And your flesh, your nervous system can believe, though, that the old nature is still alive. And so when you still have those thoughts coming in, you still can deal with the anger, still deal with all these stuff, because you've not let go of that old, old nature. So if you pay attention to the old nature, it's going to feel like it's alive. So what's the solution? And it's imperative that you hear this. The answer, I believe, has amazing application to our lives today, tomorrow, but here's the solution. Let's say I've lost my leg from the knee down, and I get these phantom itches. 
Now, modern medical facilities realize something. What used to be the nerve is now the nerve ending. And so what they would do, they'd stimulate the nerve ending. And when they stimulated the nerve ending, it would reprogram the brain and tell the brain there's something new down there. In other words, it gets the focus on what's not there and gets the brain to focus on what's new there. Now, let me try to apply this. When the old nature in your life is dead, the new nature comes in, our nervous system must be reprogrammed. Our brain must be reprogrammed so it doesn't send those signals of who we used to be. So here it is. The Bible contains the living Word of God. And I am to use that Word of God to stimulate what's new in my life, in my mind, and in my emotions. And so when I read the Bible, it begins to renew my mind. I begin to see what's new instead of focusing on what's old. So when I spend time in the Word, it's like stimulating the nerve ending in the amputee. We're reminded. Romans 12, 2, love this verse. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, the old nature, but be transformed by the renewing, here it is, of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, honestly, I don't have to read my Bible, but you know what? I choose to. The reason I choose to read my Bible is because I want and need that stimulation in my mind to guide my emotions and my will. I don't have to pray. But you know what? I choose to. I prayed this morning for you guys. I prayed this morning for a clear mind. I prayed this morning. And when I pray, it's like the source of life is inside of me, and I'm communing with the person who made me and then remade me. And I don't have to get with other believers for worship. But when I do get with other believers and we begin worshiping together, I sense the Spirit of God stimulating my spirit. So my mind is renewed and my spirit is refreshed. And here's the coolest thing about this, guys. We don't have to do this alone. <laughs> we have the Holy Spirit in us as Christians to guide us through this. John 14, 26, Jesus said, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. So if you're a Christian, you have already the Holy Spirit living in you. What we need to fight the enemy is to allow that Holy Spirit to fight for us. Romans 8 9 says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So we have a God who watches over us. He is concerned about our struggles in life. He feels our pain, our anxiety, our distress. He wants us to come to him and allow our lives to be filled with the Holy Spirit and the mercy and goodness of God. What I've learned is God's not so concerned about our past lives. He's concerned about our thirst for his presence in our heart and lives. God's looking at our hearts and looking at what's in our hearts. So the question is, what is your heart full of? 
When your heart is full of pride, guess what? You're going to relate to things prideful. When you walk in front of that mirror, you, you just got to spend some time there. <laughs> if your heart is full of lust, you know what I'm talking about. You focus on things that, that are lustful because that's what's in your heart. If your heart is full of fear, you'll react that way. But when we allow our hearts to be filled with the things of God, we can change the way we see life in general. Now, God desires for us to live for him. In fact, the Bible tells us we can live as though we're dead to sin and alive toward God. Romans 8, 6, 8 through 11 says this. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. Verse 10, the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God in the same way. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive toward Jesus Christ. That's how we're to live. Live as though you're dead to sin, the old way of life, but now you're alive through Jesus Christ. So my question then is, what does it look like to be dead in sin? Uh, let me try to illustrate that one. I, uh, like Andy mentioned, I was called into the ministry at the age of 16. What happened to me, I had four friends who were killed in a tragic car accident. They actually burned up inside the car. And man, it affected me. It, it affected me. I was not a Christian at the time, so that very night, my pastor's son came to me. He knew I was dealing with this, and I became a Christian. I followed Christ, invited him in my life, was baptized, and then God immediately called me into the ministry. And so I went through the rest of high school really teaching the best I could, but God was like saying, you, you, you need to go into the ministry. And so I did. And so my first step then was to go to a college in southern Missouri. I was raised in central Missouri. And I went to Southwest Baptist College. It's a university now. Four-year college. It's in Bolivar, Missouri, right north of Springfield, if you're familiar with Missouri. And so my mom and dad, I was raised on a farm. We didn't have much money. I mean, uh, dad was a good guy. And uh, he just couldn't afford, honestly, to send me to college. I was the oldest of four. And, uh, and so I, I got student loans. But I also got a job. Okay, so I worked at the same job for four years in college. What I did was, I worked in a funeral home, okay? And so it was a, a funeral home in, in that county. The, the proprietor, Sid Pitts, it was called Pitts Funeral Home, uh, was also the county coroner. So we, we did everything. So I, I did it all. I mean, I washed the cars and everything, but my main job, my main job was to pick up dead bodies. And so this is back before cell phones. So I had to put a dorm, a room, in my dorm room, I had to put a phone. So like somebody died, Sid would call me, maybe in the middle of the night, say, okay, you gotta go to Springfield, pick up a body. So I'd go get a hearse, pick up the body, come back, help him get it ready for burial. And I did that, and we, I've seen everything. I mean, uh, since he was kind of cornered, sometimes we would take the bodies right out of the cars, seen a lot of, a lot of suicides, uh, that type of thing. In fact, since I've actually even been here as chaplain at Claremont, I've worked so many suicides. I go right into the home and help the families through that. And so I guess what I'm about to tell you is I feel like I'm some of an expert on what dead is, okay? And I submit to you, dead is dead. I mean, there's no response when you're dead. If I were to have a heart attack and die right now, 
Eventually, probably Andy would come up here and poke me or something and say, I think he's dead. <laughs> well, I would be fine. I would be fine. I'd be in heaven with the Lord and with my family that has gone on. But I just couldn't tell you. I couldn't respond. Why? Because I couldn't respond to the things of this world. I remember one time I had a long haul where I had to go pick up a body long way away. I had to miss breakfast. I had to munch lunch. And that didn't happen very often. And on the way back, I decided I got to eat something. So I had the hearse. You could see right inside. The guy in the back was on the stretcher just covered in the sheet, nose and toes sticking up. I mean, so I was thinking, I get conscious. I just can't go park my hearse in a parking lot at a restaurant and leave that guy there and go. So I did, so, so I did the next best thing. I went through a drive-through, okay? <laughs> now, <laughs> this is back, this is back before the speaker system. So. I drive up, and keep in mind, I'm hungry and I'm irritable, and I drive up to the window. This is back when you had to drive up to the window, give your order, pay you, and then they bring your food. And there's a teenage girl there. So I drive up, and I see the, her, her stare in her eyes, because she sees the guy in the back. And I don't know why I did it, but I said, I'll take a cheeseburger and fry. Do you want anything? <laughs> she disappeared. I mean, she fled. She was gone. <laughs> so the manager comes, and he brings me my food and my drink, and so I take off down the road. Here's my point. I think you get it. Uh, the guy in the back, he didn't want a hamburger. He didn't want a fry. Why? He's dead to the things of this world. He can't smell the fries. He didn't want to cook. He's dead to the things of this world. Um, you see the picture? <laughs> dead and buried is my old nature my old life. A new nature comes inside of me and is reprogramming me. So as a Christian, I no longer have to live by the old nature. It's been buried with Christ. I have a new nature now that I simply respond to. Let me reread Romans 6.10, which says, The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Here it is. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. You live like that, I promise you, your life will be changed, okay? Now, I want to pray for you in a minute, but before I do that, I want to see how well I did, okay? So I'm, I'm going to do a little book giveaway here, and it depends on how well you, you answer. Here's my book on real forgiveness. God's blessed this book in a great way. But the first person that can tell me the three-step process and managing your anger, I'll give you this book. Who, who can Bill tell me that? Okay. Right here. Bill Pinesburg, Allow Anger to Fail. Mm -hmm. um, take time. Yep. To, uh, right. And then uh, search for the cause. Man, that guy's got. Andy, would you give him that book for me? Sure. <laughs> Thank you. Sure. Great job. That's right. Um, Okay, um, my, my wife and also wrote a book recently called Marriage Redesign, uh, a guide to transform your marriage into the marriage of your dreams. And what this does, guys, it takes the Word of God and shows you how to live your marriage by the Word of God. So I'm going to make this one really simple. Who, who can tell me, let's say you're with your wife in your car and you're on the turnpike. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. What are you going to do? 
<laughs> what did I tell you to do? Okay, I just let's say hand. Count back. Was there, there you go. Hey, can you give him that book right there? Right here with the striped shirt. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Hey, you're going to notice in front of you is, the, in, is this um, books that I've had the opportunity to write. But it, it's so simple. Um, instead of carrying books around with me, if you want to scan that QR code, you can get the real forgiveness book through Amazon or the Marriage Redesign. And you can do Kindle or the other. But if that's something that will help you, I encourage you to, to do that. But also, um, my main job now is I'm a content creator for uh, YouTube, and I'm doing Finding Freedom. God has blessed it. I'm, I'm in a series right now called um, Post-Traumatic Stress and First Responders. In fact, I just did this episode that's out right now is Chief Ogden. He did, I interviewed him on post-traumatic stress and law enforcement. And so I encourage you, but I'm going to have five total um, episodes on first responders and post-traumatic stress. So if you, if you want to go to there, it shows you how to do that. But uh, I need your help. <laughs> uh, when you go on there, you can also subscribe and like. That helps me with, uh, with YouTube. So anyway, thanks again for the time that you've given me to share with you. I pray that God will... Uh, use this to make a difference in your life. Can I pray for you? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time together. I thank you for these men who follow you. And I just pray now that as we talked about anger, that we would place that anger in the proper place and allow your spirit to guide us through the process. And Father, I just pray now for this ministry, that it would continue to grow and that lives would be changed because of you. We ask this in Christ's precious name. Amen. All right, thank you guys.